this morning and to come looking for it. We will open our hearts to receive your word. Speak to us for your listening in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus uh, mentions this parable, and it's a very common parable. It's a parable that you've probably heard before, or you've, uh, you've probably even heard in other contexts where people use this as an illustration or an example. It's a very simple parable, not complicated at all, very simple, but yet it's it's very profound. Right? And this morning we're gonna uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna help us understand, even as we begin to look at the parable, I want you to understand. This parable basically helps us understand the difference between religion, right? living a religious, moralistic way, and what does it really mean when we say we understand the gospel. We, we keep talking about one of the values here is being gospel-centered. Uh, the, the parable basically explains that. Right? The parable is going to help us understand what does it mean when we say we are a religious person, uh, or we're just a moralistic person, we're living out of duty and obligation, and that's not what the Bible teaches, right? But we all live like that, and what is the difference between that and really understanding the gospel and living uh, out of the gospel? Uh, even if you uh, see the, uh, this morning, I wanted to even, even help you understand how we preach here in New City. In New City, we preach uh, with a certain emphasis. We preach something called a gospel-centered sermon, right? One of the easy ways to preach uh, this parable, and it's a common way we always hear about is, uh, hey, hey, th th this is what the parable says, how uh, uh, we are not kind. The parable we say now, so we should be kind like this, and then so go be kind to others, right? So we will come to this parable thinking that uh, living a kind life, living a loving life, uh, supporting a neighbor, loving a neighbor is the point of the parable, right? But it is not, okay? So you will hopefully understand how, where we emphasize and what we emphasize, right? So hopefully that's the way uh, we we listen, and I want you to understand that as well, right? Why that's important for us. So I'm gonna I'm gonna place three movements before you. The first movement is uh, problem. We will notice a problem here. The second uh, is uh, solution. Third one is application. Very simple. This is preaching 101. When we learn preaching uh, in the seminary, the first class they teach us this. They say. Your, your sermon basically has to have three points, right? There's a problem, there's a solution, it's an application. So we're going to 101, okay? All right, let's look at the problem. Uh, what's the problem? The problem I want to suggest this morning is that you're not okay, right? You're not okay. Uh, verse 25, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer uh, stood up uh, to put him to test, saying, Jesus saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, he's a lawyer in that context. A lawyer is not a criminal lawyer. It's not a, uh, it's not a civil lawyer. The lawyer in that context is somebody who's an expert in the law, right? Somebody who's expert in, in the Old Testament law. Somebody who's an expert in the scriptures. So it's a, it's a law. He's a law expert. So he comes to Jesus and he asks a question. And the question is not to learn. The question is to trap Jesus. The question is to uh, corner Jesus, to test Jesus, uh, right, so that he can condemn him and find fault with Jesus. So that's the intention with which this uh, lawyer uh, of scriptures comes to Jesus. Let's look at verse 26. Verse 26, he said to him, uh, so the, the lawyer poses a question to Jesus, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So that's the context of this parable. Okay, I want us to understand the context of the parable is not kindness. And that's what we think, right? What's the question being asked to Jesus? How do I get what? Eternal life. That's the context, okay? Let's see what happens. Jesus says in verse 26, 
Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? So he's asking the lawyer. He's saying, hey, you're the expert in the law. What do you think it says? What, what, does, it, uh, what does it say? What does it read? So verse 27, the lawyer answers. Uh, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So Jesus says, yes, right answer, right? And what the lawyer is saying is a summary of the entire law, right? Even when they ask Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? A Pharisee comes to Jesus and asks him, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. So this is kind of a well-known summary of the Old Testament law. So when this lawyer answers this, Jesus says, yeah, you've got it. You're right. And he says, do this and you will have eternal life. Okay. What is Jesus saying? Is this is this something like good works? <laughs> is Jesus saying go love people and you will you will have eternal life? Is that what he's saying? Is it that simple? Right? What is Jesus saying? Because in the next verse we see there's something happening here. Verse 29. Verse 29. But the lawyer, he desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? There's something the lawyer understood. And so in the face value, we don't, we don't get it immediately. But there's something the lawyer understood. Because he wants to justify himself. The reason why he wants to justify himself, because he understands what Jesus is saying here and what the law is saying, is impossible to follow. It's impossible. You can't love your neighbor like yourself. You can't. It's, it's impossible. So the lawyer thinks, this is what the lawyer is thinking. Oh yeah, loving God is okay. Yeah, of course I love God. I love God. I love God, right? But what, who's my neighbor? It's impossible to love everybody. It's impossible to love everybody equally. There has to be some kind of a line you need to draw, right? You can't love everybody all the time. Right? There, 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 are, there are practical considerations. It's impossible. It's, it's impractical. It's unreasonable. How many times should I love everybody? It's not going to work. So the lawyer understands what this verse says. He doesn't understand fully, but he understands a part of it. And he tells Jesus, oh, well, it depends on who you say my neighbor is because obviously I don't love everybody. Right? And then Jesus tells him a parable. Verse 30. Verse 30. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Right? And so here is the context. A man is going from Jerusalem. A parable is a fictitious story. It's not a true story. It's a fictitious story to make a point. Uh, and it is implied that the man is an Israelite in this context. An Israelite man is going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And as, as he's going on this road, and scholars say this is a very familiar road to the audience. They know what this road is because it's a road that, are, that is dangerous in its terrain, that is dangerous because of robbers and thieves and decoits. So lo and behold, this man is going on this journey from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers. Robbers came and ambushed him. They attacked him. They stripped him. They beat him. They, they, they stole what he had and they left him to die. So he is lost and he is dying on the road. Verse 31. Now by chance, a priest was coming down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Interesting. Right? Two people who were supposed to help him were the priest and the Levite. 
right? Because it was the duty to help. The priests and the Levites in that custom, in that culture, were the ones who were supposed to help the poor, were supposed to distribute alms, right? Uh, uh, money and favor to the, to the poor people. Uh, they were supposed to take care of the orphans and the widows. So it was the duty to help. But they didn't do the duty. Right? We don't know why. It's a fictitious, fictitious story. We don't have to guess it. They didn't do it. They, they went the other way. Verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Right? And this is where the, the parable gets interesting. Because a Samaritan is an enemy of the Israelite. Okay, this is the context. The Samaritans and the, the, and the Israelites are historic enemies. There is historic hostility. There's racial tensions. Right? They, they don't talk to each other. They don't want to meet each other. They consider themselves as enemies. They don't want anything to do with each other. In fact, if you want to put it in a historical context, during that time, when, a, when an Israelite from the south of Israel had to move to the north of Israel, Samaria was in the middle, right? So they can go, it takes a few hours to go through Samaria, to go to the north of Israel. But, but they will never go through Samaria. They will take two days to travel around Samaria to go to the north of Israel. Two days, right? They cannot stand the Samaritans. The Samaritans hated the Israelites. Are you tracking me? So it's interesting. It's interesting. Samaritan comes. He's an enemy. A Samaritan comes. But another reason why this is interesting is because if the point of the parable is for you to be kind, if the point of the parable was be kind, be nice, go do like this, then the Israelite would have been on the saddle and the Samaritan would have been on the road dying. Are you tracking me? If the Israelite is on the saddle and the Samaritan is on the uh, floor dying, on the road dying, and Jesus tells his parable and how the Israelite helped the Samaritan, the lawyer would immediately conclude, yeah, I, I, I will be like this Israelite. I will go love my neighbor. Right? That's not what's happening here. Who's on the floor? Who's on the road dying? Huh? The Israelite. Who's on the saddle? The Samaritan. It's opposite. It's awful. There's no way that these, the lawyer is walking away from this story thinking, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be like a Samaritan. He's not going to conclude that. You're tracking me? Right? He's not going to conclude that. So Jesus is doing something here. Right? The point is not go be like this person. That's not the point here. And of course, that's the application, but that's not the point. So Jesus asked him, verse 36, Jesus asked the lawyer, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go, you go and do likewise. Again, Jesus repeats the thing, right? He said, love the Lord your God. He said, go do likewise. And again, he says, right? And you've understood what this is. Go do likewise, right? Jesus changes the question from who is my neighbor to, are you behaving like a neighbor? Okay? Who is my neighbor? To are you acting like a neighbor? The, the, the lawyer begins to understand something. Right? And we are beginning to understand something. Because when Jesus says, go and do likewise, we can never do likewise. We can never 
would have walked with us. No way. None of us, none of us can love our neighbor like ourselves. Right? You see what the neighbor is doing. So the neighbor is Samaritan. So Samaritan is the is the is the example here. So verse 33, the Samaritan comes, he sees and he has compassion on the man who's dying. Not just pity. Not just pity, not just some feeling. No, he, his compassion moves him to action. He's not just obligated to do, he's not obligated to do anything. This is, a, this is an enemy. He could have just gone the other way around. He could have just ignored him. Oh, let the other Israelites come and help. Why should I help this guy? Right? Let, let his own countrymen come down. No. No. He sees and has compassion. Verse 34, he goes to this dying man. He assesses what's happening. He binds his wounds. He takes his own oil and his own wine and he, and, he, and he serves him. He doesn't have any bandages. So he tears his own robe right, and binds his wounds and he doesn't leave him there. Well, typically, you help him, you help the person. All right, hello. All right, come up. Right? He doesn't stop there. He takes him, puts him on his animal, takes him to the next town and pays for his treatment. Man. He checks him into the hospital, pays for his treatment. He's done enough. Outstanding. He's generous. He's sacrificial. He's taken his own resources. He's taken his money. He's taken his time. He's changed his schedule. He's helping this guy. Wonderful. Wonderful. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. And I was uh, trying, telling the story in the previous service. I was, I had this, uh, uh, and I was in this particular country, which shall be, not be named, but you don't know what it is. It's a large country in the West. <laughs> so there, so what happened is, so I, I get these kidney stones, right, uh, on and off. And this particular trip, I was there, I was I was in a meeting, it was a breakfast meeting, and the other person's got his laptop open, he's sharing something with me, and I was eating breakfast, I was listening, uh, and suddenly I get a stone, stone pain attack, right? It's 7 o'clock in the morning, my, my kidney's got a stone, it's hurting, right? The pain is, it's acute, it's shooting, and I'm trying to tell this gentleman I'm, I'm getting a stone pain attack, right? He thought I'm telling a story, right? So he's like, no, no, even I, even I, I'm like, no, no, you, forget you. <laughs> I, I, I'm having stone pain now, right? So this guy, I don't know what he was thinking. I think he was a little in the shock. So he, uh, he said, okay, okay. I said, let me go get coffee and coffee. <laughs> so he went to get his coffee, right? I'm, I'm in pain. And he finally he comes uh, and then he takes me in his car. He's supposed to take me to my friend's house. He, he uh, opened the door, he dropped me at the gate, and he vanished. He ran away because, and of course, there's, I understand that medical insurance and all these things are difficult, right? But he, he left, right? He's done, a, he's done a good thing. He's helped me go home. But, he left. but this guy, look at this guy, right? He, do, he doesn't just drop him in a uh, hospital and just leave. No, he doesn't do that. He stays with him because verse 35 says the next day he's with him. He stays overnight with him. Verse 35, and the next day he took two denarii. And gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And whatever you spend, whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. It's too much. What is this guy? What is he doing? Bro, I mean, you, you, you put bandage and all that's fine. You know, you're taking him to the hospital. Okay, that's all good. Very good. That's good. You're staying overnight with him. You're, you're paying so much. Who are you? Is this even necessary? Is this necessary? Keep moving, bro. Right, keep moving. Maybe, maybe he's jobless. Maybe he doesn't have any work to do. Right? Maybe he's got too much money. Maybe he doesn't have any family to take care of. Oh, no, that's not what's happening. 
he's acting like a neighbor. Because Jesus asks in verse 36, verse 36, Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the Lord said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Jesus is trying to help the lawyer understand something. Jesus is trying to tell him, hey, you want eternal life? You want your sins to be forgiven? You want to keep the law? You want to earn your forgiveness through good works? This is how you live. This is how you live. And there is no limit to this. In our mind, we are thinking, but, but this is impossible. How many times should I live like this? How many people should I love like this? Who all is in this thing? That's why, the, that's why the, 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 the lawyer immediately wants to define who the neighbor is because he understands you cannot love everybody like this. You cannot love everybody all the time and Jesus tells him there is no limit to obeying this law. This is how you keep this law. Don't limit it to your family. Don't limit it to your tribe. Don't limit it to people like your own status. Don't limit it to people who are nice to you. This, this extends even to your worst enemy. You've got to love people like you love yourself. All the time. All the time. You see the problem? You see the problem? We cannot live like this. The Lord understands you cannot live like this. Unless you redefine the neighbor. Unless you redefine, redefine the parameters. Unless you make some exemptions. Unless you compare yourself with somebody, oh, that fellow is not loving anybody, at least I'm giving. Unless you compare yourself to make yourself feel good, you cannot, you cannot live like this. Or we do some bare minimum. Right? We do some bare minimum. If I'm going to ask you, are you, are you acting like a neighbor? If I ask you, somebody will say, ah, Ranjit, actually, you know what, five years back, actually, uh, five years back, I actually did something similar. No, no, this happened last week. Last week, something. We are not talking about your story here. Are you talking to me? This is how we live all the time to everyone. This is the law. You want to keep the law? This is how you keep the law. There's a problem here. There is a deeper problem here. Jesus is trying to help the lawyer understand. If you cannot love your neighbor you see, how can you love a God you don't see? For the, for the lawyer, he's like, yeah, yeah, I love God. I love God. A neighbor, you tell me who my neighbor is, I'll try to love him, right? But Jesus is trying to help him. Hey, the problem is deeper here. Right? The problem, it's not just the neighbor. You, you cannot love your neighbor as yourself, but you cannot love God. With all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your soul. Who can love God like that? There's a problem. The problem is we are not okay. We are not okay. What Jesus is trying to help him understand, help us understand is you ought to live like this. You ought to live like this. But you cannot be saved like this is not how you attain eternal life. So there's a problem. Let's look at the solution. There's a solution. 
if we cannot love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, if we rarely, if not never, love our neighbor as ourselves all the time and we give everything, how can we be saved? How? How is it possible? How can we attain eternal life? What is Jesus trying to tell them? And this is what Jesus wants him to understand. Jesus wants him to understand. Jesus wants us to understand that our religious duty is not enough. Religious duty is never enough. Doing something out of duty and obligation is never going to take us anywhere. Because if there is anybody who is supposed to be helping was the priest and the Levite and the lawyer. They were the experts. They were religious experts. But duty and obligation and guilt cannot take you to where you need to go. So it will make you live a good life. But the moment, if you are living out of religious guilt or duty or obligation, the moment personal sacrifice is involved, the moment personal cost is involved, there is a moment a risk is involved, religious duty runs out of the door. Obligation runs out of the door. Guilt will run out of the door. You will not stand. Or we think we will do some bare minimum and feel good about ourselves. Jesus is not trying to make a lawyer feel guilty. That's not the point here. But he wants the lawyer to see his true problem. And he wants us to see our true problem. So the solution here is not from tomorrow. Ranjit, from tomorrow, what? From tomorrow, I will? That's not the point. If you're thinking, yeah, yeah, Ranjit, from tomorrow. <laughs> That's not the point here. Not from, we are powerless. Whether tomorrow or day after, we are powerless. We are powerless. The solution emerges when we understand, oh my friend, the solution begins to emerge. The solution for the lawyer, the solution for us begins to emerge when we understand we are the ones on the road dying and helpless and hopeless. We are, we are the ones who are dying. We are the ones who are dying spiritually. And Jesus reveals that he has come to be the true good Samaritan to us. That's the point of the parable. right? He is the true good Samaritan. My friends, this is the gospel. And the gospel oh, oozes out of this parable. We are the ones who are ambushed. We are the ones who are left to die helpless and hopeless in our sin. And Jesus saw and had compassion on us. Jesus owes us nothing. In fact, we are his enemies. We rejected him. We resist him. We oppose him. We don't believe in him. But he is filled with compassion. And he comes after us. He comes after us. He stops. He binds our wounds. He makes us whole. And my friend, in that process, he was not at risk of losing some physical comfort or some material resources. No, when he stopped, he knew he had to risk his own life for us, save us. And that's what happened. He was stripped. He, Jesus, was wounded. He was beaten. He was left to die on the cross. But nothing stopped him from rescuing us. He gave us life. He gave us all to be the true good Samaritan for us. Heaven, this is the gospel. 
the solution for our sin is not go be kind to others, go be loving to others. And yes, that's how we ought to live. But that's not the solution for eternal life. Because you can never, you can never live like that. We need a new heart. We need a new life. We need forgiveness. This happens when we begin to see how fatal our sin is. We begin to see how fatal our condition is and seeing Jesus as the one who saves us. My friend, that is the way to eternal life. We see his problem, we see a solution. What's the application? How do we live like this? Where do we get the power to live like this? How can we live like a neighbor? My friend, if, you, if you're honest with yourselves, this is our struggle and this is the problem with us. We, we, we love only those who are like us. We're happy to help our friends. We, we, we love uh, only those who deserve to be loved. Half the fellows, half the fellows, it's their problem. You see what I'm saying? Hey, it's your, they are stupid, they are, they're lazy. The half the problem with people, why they are in a problem is because of their fault. That's what we think. We think it's your fault. They are hardworking. They are reckless. They are stupid. Right? That's why they're in a problem. Even the poor. Are they really poor? Are they really poor? Right? This is what we think. Do they really deserve my help? Does this person really deserve it? For me to help? For me to give something? My time? Do they really deserve it? This is what we think. We make excuses. I have my own burdens. I have my own problems. I have my own troubles. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I can't make sacrifices like this all the time. I can't do this. What about my family? What about my desires? What about my plans? I am sick. I am tired. I am in need. Or you could be one of this. We sometimes tend to love people so that we look good. So that people will appreciate us. So that we look good before people. Oh, if I don't do this, what do people think of me? Right? And it is all of that we sell help people. And for me, one of the things that I understood and was shocking for me, and this is probably apparent to everybody else, but I, I learned and I went through this one year before I hit a milestone uh, in my own uh, age. I went through this... Uh, uh, one year, it took a year, it wasn't a year thing, but I basically did this exercise where uh, the initial part of the exercise was to ask 10 to 15 people, uh, what what are some things I need to change in my life? Okay, most of the time, I, I look like perfect to me, right? I'm like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm an amazing guy. But all my faults are very clear for everybody else, right? So the part of the exercise was, hey, write to 10, 15 people who love you, who care about you, who can be honest about you, and they, and they give feedback about what I need to change, right? It was brutal, but it was good, right? Uh, and in part of it said, well, you need to work on that. Right? You need to do some uh, stuff about that. And I was I was going through that. And all my life, this this is how I view myself. If I can be honest, right? This is how I view myself. I, I view myself as amazing, right? Ranjit is amazing. Ranjit really loves people, right? I'm, I'm, I'm amazing, right? I, I can be loyal, I can be faithful, I can be tenacious, I I can come after you, I can I can show my love like that, and I'm I'm I can organize things and I, so I love people like that. Right? This is I'm an amazing guy, right? This is what keeps going on in my head. Amazing, amazing, you're amazing, you're great, right? You're God's gift to Delhi, right? 
so i'm going through this exercise i'm going through this exercise. finally i had to i had to write down based on some of the things based on introspection based on thinking through scripture based on all these i have to write a line about what i really understand about myself at the end of the year i had to i had to write it was painful for me it was brutal and i had to write ranjit does not love people i love the idea of loving people i love organizing things i love getting people together i love doing all these things but i don't really love people because if people come in the midst of what i need to do my vision my dream then i get irritated i get upset about these things i i think i love people i think i'm amazing i not and i have to write this down i have to say i don't i don't love my family i don't love my wife i don't love my kids i i don't i just love myself it was humbling but yet it opened the door for me to understand every time i worship god every time i sit and i stand i worship god i i tell god god i'm not loving you i don't love you i don't love people do we genuinely love can we even genuinely love the bible says you have to bear one another's burdens if we cannot share somebody's burden without burdening ourselves have we even share their burden you try to if you go to sadar bazar and all these places they have these huge uh, uh things they carry on the shoulder or they do all these things if, if you cannot if it doesn't burden you if it doesn't fall on you have you even sh- shared their burden Indians are very good, right? If you need to pu- push the bus, have you have you been in that situation? The bus breakdowns or car breakdowns, and we need to push the bus. Ah, chala 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 chala. Ten people will be pushing. We'll be like just ah, standing. I will probably be that way. Right? I'll put my finger there or something. Think about this. Think about this. Right? We we want to we want to help without burdening ourselves. we we want to help without sacrificing my routine without sacrificing my schedule and this is what we mean when we say we cannot afford to give oh we cannot afford help i don't know we cannot do this right now we cannot help right now what we really mean is we cannot help without it affecting me we cannot do this without it burdening me without it changing my standard of living without it inconveniencing me without it changing my desire my friends if it hadn't burdened if it doesn't if you don't have to sacrifice if it doesn't pinch you have you really helped have you really loved jesus gave us life to love us what are we giving to love our neighbor Maybe this morning you're sitting here saying, "Ranjit, what about me? Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody is a neighbor to me." And my friend, I want to just plead with you this morning. If that's what's going on in your head, we are missing what Jesus is saying. We are missing. Where do we get the power in our own circumstances when people take advantage? Or where do we get the power to love people like this? Where do we get the motivation? This is where it is. This is where it is. You can be a neighbor like this only when you have been neighbored by Jesus. If you have not experienced the radical neighborness of Jesus, you can never love anybody like this. You can do it out of duty. You can do it out of obligation, but you can never love people if you've never experienced the radical grace of Jesus that He has done for you. You cannot extend radical grace to people. 
You can do it once in a while, but you cannot. The question is not, who is my neighbor? The real question is, are you acting neighborly? And the deeper question is, have you been neighbored by Jesus? Only Jesus gives you the power to look someone from a different race, from a different language, from a different tribe, from a different socioeconomic status, from a different culture, and still be able to love them radically. Only Jesus gives you the power. Only Jesus. The reason is because Jesus breaks all barriers. When you see Jesus breaking all barriers to love me, when I see that and it captures me, that's the one that gives me the power to love somebody else more than me. There are people in this community who need your love. There are, people, there are people right here who need your love. You respond in love. There are people in this city. There are people in your workplace. There are people in your family. There are people in your neighborhood. There are people you interact with. People who serve you. People who help you. They need your love. Will you make time? Will you let yourself be burdened? Will your love be genuine? Will you go the extra mile? Maybe some of you are weary this morning. Maybe some of you are disappointed because you've tried to help and people ridicule you. Maybe you feel like you've been taken advantage of. Maybe you feel really used this morning. Friend, Jesus was weary. Jesus was taken advantage of. Jesus was ridiculed. Jesus was used. Is anybody in your life needs your forgiveness? Is anybody in your life that needs attention? Anybody needs your help? Are you someone who tends to postpone things? Are you someone who tends to ignore and justify? And just do the bare minimum so that you look good. Are you someone who finds it difficult to love people from a different background? Maybe some individuals. Are you someone who tends to love out of guilt and duty? My friend, this morning, I want you to realize the solution to this problem is not thinking you can love people. The solution to this problem is understanding that we are dying on the road. We cannot fulfill this law. But Jesus came seeking after us. He lived a perfect life for us. He saved us. He redeemed us. He died for us in our place on the cross. And when I understand, how could Jesus do this for me? I'm a sinner. How could he do this for me? The more and the extent to which I understand how Jesus has been my neighbor, the extent to which I can be a neighbor to others. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come before you. We recognize our own sin. We recognize our own helplessness. And how often, how often we've been like the Levite and the priest. How often we've been judgmental. How often we've ignored. How often we've felt so proud about ourselves because we've helped somebody somewhere. Father, this morning, 
we, we come before you and we recognize that we cannot attain eternal life like this. But I thank you for Jesus. I thank you because Jesus is our true Samaritan. The true good Samaritan for us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you because you were ambushed. You were killed. You, you had to go through all that in my place. I thank you. Without you, I'm nothing. I thank you because you rose again. And today, we have your power to live like you. You give us a new heart. You give us a new life. You give us a new identity. And that's the way we could even become like you. We thank you. We thank you. We worship you. We praise you because you are the one who saves us. Thank you for reaching out to us when we were dying. Jesus, you are the Lord of my salvation. 